This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Zhang Yu Dang, an assistant professor at the University of Georgia. We'll be discussing the use of genetic data to identify the source of salmonella infection. Welcome, Dr. Dang. Thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here. We hear about outbreaks of salmonella regularly, but I don't think most people realize that there's different kinds. Your study is about salmonella enterica serotype typhimurum. How is that different than others? Well, serotype typhimurum is not necessarily different from other serotypes. Uh, what makes it important is that it's one of the most common serotypes, and it's very diverse. There are more than 2,600 serotypes of salmonella, and typhimurum is one of them. In many countries, uh, typhimurum is the most or second most prevalent serotype. According to the U.S. national surveillance data since 19. Uh, 60s, about a quarter of human infections of salmonella in the country are caused by typhimurin. And within this serotype, there are diverse lineages and subtypes. Uh, some of them have broad host range and are found in many species of mammals and birds. Others appear to show varying degrees of host adaptation and be associated with certain hosts. Okay, so how's it spread? Well, it's a zoonotic pathogen that is spread between animals and humans. Uh, I think a notable example is the emergence and global spread of a multi-drug resistant sub subtype uh, called DT104. It was first isolated in 1980s in the United Kingdom. Uh, it transmitted from cattle to other livestock in the country and then uh, spread globally in 1990s. Now it's all over the world. Uh, another example of recent emergence in the spread of the pathogen is the uh, multi-locus sequence type 313. It was estimated to have emerged about 40 to 50 years ago in sub-Saharan Africa. It spread in Africa coincided with an HIV pandemic, which may explain uh, its regional transmission and invasive symptoms among the affected people. Even though, as I said, there seem to be a lot of outbreaks lately, how common is it actually? So according to the Football Disease Outbreak Surveillance System, uh, there were nearly 3,000 reported outbreaks with the single confirmed etiology in the United States uh, from 2009 to 2015. And that's all kinds of foodborne pathogens. Among these outbreaks, close to 900 or 30% uh, were caused by different serotypes of salmonella, including typhimurin. So far this year in the United States, we have had at least three outbreaks of typhimurin, or its close variant. And these outbreaks were linked to chicken, chicken salad, and dried coconut. When there's a salmonella outbreak, researchers are usually able to pinpoint a source that caused the outbreak, such as eggs from a specific farm, or as you're saying, chicken, chicken salad, dried coconut. Uh, how does whole genome sequencing play into this? Well, to find out the source of the salmonella outbreak, both laboratory and epidemiologic investigations are needed. On the lab side, whole genome sequencing provides the ultimate resolution to differentiate closely related isolates. So with whole genome sequencing, investigators can first uh, better link cases of the same outbreak, and second, better match isolates from food or food processing environments to the isolates from sick people. 
and such lab evidence gives investigators more confidence to implicate a specific source that's behind the outbreak. Your study talks about, and I'm quoting, accumulation of lineage-specific pseudogenes after divergence from generalist populations. That's a mouthful. And what does that mean? So um, pseudogenes are DNA sequences that used to be genes, still look like genes, but no longer function the way they did because of mutations. And usually such mutations are detrimental to the bacteria and therefore unlikely to be retained in a population. Uh, but as the lineage becomes adapting to a particular host and evolves from a host generalist to a host specialist, one theory is that uh, the otherwise detrimental mutations would not affect the specialist lineage as much uh, because the bacteria only need a set of essential genes to deal with the host. As long as the essential genes are functional, they are fine. So according to this theory, accumulation of pseudogenes can be a sign of host adaptation. And in our study, uh, we observed in multiple cases that uh, divergence of a putative host adapting lineage was accompanied uh, by the accumulation of pseudogenes. And those pseudogenes are lineage-specific, which indicates that uh, those potentially host adapting lineages may have emerged and evolved independently from each other. About 95% of cases of foodborne illness occur sporadically, seemingly striking one person at random. Um, why is it harder for researchers to find the source of salmonella when you say just one person is infected? Well, um, finding the source of a foodborne infection of salmonella uh, requires epidemiologic investigation that takes time and resources. The sheer volume of the foodborne infections makes it impossible to investigate every single case uh, of foodborne illness. Typically, only outbreaks get investigated. The source of the sporadic case is also unknown because there is no investigation. I see. Okay, well, you developed a machine learning classifier that uses these genetic differences to help identify the sources of salmonella infection. What's it called and how does it work? Well, thanks to routine use of whole genome sequencing in public health labs, uh, we now have a large and expanding volumes of salmonella genomes. Uh, for the particular case of typhimurin, we had more than a thousand genomes at the time of our study. And many of these genomes came from major livestock animals and wild birds. So we were able to put together a big collection of typhimurin genomes from known sources. So I will refer to this collection as a uh, training set when we start talking about machine learning later on. So we, we then build a machine learning classifier. The classifier can predict the zoonotic source of a typhimurin isolate uh, by interrogating thousands of genetic features of this genome. And we train the classifier to do this prediction over and over again using the genomes in the training set I just mentioned. And after the training, the classifier was able to learn how to predict major livestock and wild bird sources with a decent accuracy. It also figured out how important a specific genetic feature was for source prediction. Your classifier relies on a large database of genetic sequences from different populations of salmonella. When and where did these sequences come from? All right, so most of the salmonella-type immune genomes used in our study uh, came from three major surveillance and monitoring programs in the United States. Uh, first, we selected human isolates 
from outbreak and sporadic cases in the United States over、uh, 65 years since 1949. And these isolates represented the genetic diversity of serotype tetramorphin, according to the surveillance by the PostNet,、uh, which is a laboratory network managed by CDC and focused on human isolates. And second, we have genomes from the Genome Tracker database as of January 2017. Uh, Genome Tracker is a database managed by FDA and focused on foodborne pathogen genomes、uh, from food products and the environment. Our Genome Tracker genomes came from various sources in the United States, Europe, South、uh, America, Asia, and Africa.、Uh, last but not least, we took advantage of the retail meat isolates. Uh, sampled by the FDA arm of the National Antimicrobial Resistance Monitoring System, or NARMS. So it gives us a lot of genomes from poultry, beef, and pork, which turn out to be very helpful for livestock source attribution. So is this classifier very accurate?、Uh, overall, the accuracy for zoonotic source attribution was about eighty-three percent. Uh, the classifier can flag its prediction as either precise or imprecise. So when the prediction was precise, the accuracy was about 92%. percent.、Uh, we also retrospectively analyzed eight major zoonotic outbreaks in the United States、uh, from 1998 to 2013. Some of them were attributed to the correct livestock source. So if I get food poisoning, will I be able to go to my doctor and have the source identified? Well, probably not. <laughs>、uh, in a future world, if your doctor requests whole genome sequencing of the pathogen that made you sick, and the pathogen turns out to be Salmonella typhimurin, then the whole genome sequencing data could be analyzed by our machine learning tool, and you might be able to make educated guess where the pathogen may have come from. But in our current system, the isolate is submitted to a local or state public health lab, and then becomes part of the national surveillance, and. Like I said before, source identification requires epidemiological investigation, which may happen only if you are part of the outbreak that gets investigated. So I think our tool has the potential to help outbreak investigations. Is the problem of salmonella in livestock getting worse? Well, actually, in recent years, we've seen some positive trends. For example,、uh, according to the latest integrated report from the.、Uh, Uh, National Antimicrobial Resistance Monitoring System in 2015, the prevalence of Salmonella in retail poultry products continued to、uh, decline and reached the lowest levels since 2002.、Uh, it was at 6.1 percent for retail chicken in 2015, down from its peak at over 20 percent in 2009. Okay, are there any more important aspects of this study that you'd like to mention? We demonstrated that a small set of 50 genetic features, including SNPs, indels, and genes,、uh, were enough for fast and robust zoonotic source attribution, instead of analyzing the entire genome. So this finding may lead to a rapid and scalable source attribution tool, because you don't have to analyze the entire genomes to do it.、Uh, it also be interesting to to see if these features. Uh, simply correlate with the source association, or they play any functional roles in host adaptation or preference.、Uh, we also developed a method to systematically screen for individual lineages that we can estimate their ages by evolutionary analysis. 
From a large global phylogeny of Typhi Muron, we found two pig lineages and one chicken lineage. These lineages originated recently in the 1990s and quickly became circulating across the United States, possibly due to industrialized livestock production. Tell me about your job at the University of Georgia and how it relates to salmonella infections. Uh, I run a lab at the University of Georgia Center for Food Safety. Uh, a focus of our work is what we call genomic epidemiology. So we take genomics, bioinformatics, and data science approaches to study the, the epidemiology of foodborne pathogens, uh, especially salmonella. Uh, for example, we developed a bioinformatics tool called SIGZERO that can predict salmonella serotypes from whole genome sequencing data. Uh, my interest in salmonella started when I was an American Society for Microbiology fellow working at CDC more than five years ago. Uh, during my fellowship in CDC, serotype typhimurin was the second serotype I took on after enteritis. Uh, by the way, the, the enteritis paper was also published in ID about four years ago. Uh, I started with about 100 typhimurin genomes, and then whole genome sequencing started to take off and transform public health microbiology. Four years later, we ended up with so many genomes and whole genomes that machine learning became the natural choice to deal with all this data. Thank you so much, Dr. Dang. Listeners can read the full January 2019 article, Zoonotic Source Attribution of Salmonella Enterica Serotype Typhimurum Using Genomic Surveillance Data, United States, online at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.